This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, John Carlson returns with an update on Vancouver real estate and more on the 1% Realty Story. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. Fiat Chrysler has withdrawn its merger offer with Renault not long after reaching a tentative agreement with France on the terms of the offer. Renault issued a statement it had been reviewing the potential 50-50 merger with interest, but was unable to reach a decision because representatives of the French government, which owns 15% of Renault, had asked for the automaker's vote to be postponed. This request followed days of meetings by Renault's board of directors. In turn, Fiat Chrysler issued a statement saying, it's become clear the political conditions in France do not currently exist for such a combination to proceed successfully. The American automaker thanked the heads of Renault, along with its alliance partners, Nissan, and Mitsubishi. Fiat Chrysler proposed the merger with Renault on May 27th, and lots of eyebrows around the world went up when it did. It would have created the world's third largest automaker behind Volkswagen and Toyota, and was valued at $35 billion. The Wall Street Journal reported Fiat Chrysler had pulled the merger offer after Nissan refused to support the deal. The paper also said it was Nissan's stance that caused the French government to ask for that postponement. Well, versions of this story are happening around the world, and this time... It's Japan's turn. Japan's health minister said in response to a petition seeking a ban on requiring women to wear high heels at work that such dress code expectations are, quote, necessary and appropriate in the workplace. Mr. Uh, Takumi Nomoto, that is the health minister, Mr. Nomoto, responded on Wednesday to this online petition campaign, which has collected thousands of signatures and is still growing, which was submitted to the health ministry by a 32-year-old woman who said in January she was required to wear five to seven inch centimeter heels at work, causing her feet to hurt. Make that two to three inch heels, five to seven centimeters, and it hurt her feet. Many Japanese companies may not explicitly require female employees to wear high heels, but many women do so because of tradition and social expectations. I think it's within the range of which commonly accepted as necessary and appropriate in the workplace, said Mr. Nomoto, the health minister. However, he also said it could be considered power harassment if employees required female workers who had been injured to wear high heels. Japanese women are not impressed, but are at least glad the conversation has finally been started. Adults are invited to come have a little fun of their own during the Playland Night Series, which is back again this summer. Every Friday in July, Playland will host evenings dedicated to, well, big people. Amusement, food, drinks, games, and of course, all the rides. The grounds will be fully licensed, so you can enjoy your favorite beverage, including Playland-inspired cocktails as you walk around the park while experiencing the entertainment. Playlight Nights, Playland Nights, rather, begin on July 5th and run through July 26. The venues uh, feature multiple bars, several DJs, live performances, and even now, this year, VIP experiences, which could shorten the lineups for those willing to pay a little extra. Tickets will range from 29 to 79 bucks 
for an evening Playland Night Series beginning July 5th. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at even more as the hour goes along. Coming up in just a few moments, Johnny 1%. John Carlson from 1% Realty is back on Vancouver Consumer right here on CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon on CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox, and it's a pleasure to welcome John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation, back to the program. Good day, sir. Thank you. Great afternoon. Nice to be here. Good to have you with us, John, with some very interesting uh, numbers and, uh, well, lots of stories circulating since the last uh, couple of weeks you were uh, with us. And I, I guess there's a kind of a negative buzz that seems to be developing in and around the city of uh, Vancouver, the Metro Vancouver real estate thing. For example, let's take a look at May and sales numbers. Now, you have uh, pointed out on this broadcast many, many times that spring is the busiest season, period, uh, for real estate business every year. So here we are in the spring of 2019. Month of May numbers are in. And while they were up from the previous month of April, they were down from a year ago May. What do you make of that trend? Well, we, we've been seeing the real estate market in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valleys going th- uh, through an, an adjustment period. You bet. Uh, things change. I mean, the optimism in the market is something that's changed. We're talking about these press releases that are coming out and making predictions of what may happen in the market. Mm-hmm. We definitely know it's harder to borrow money uh, or as much money. And, uh, you know, other changes of taxes and restrictions and those sorts of things. And it's only natural that the market adjusts. So really what I see is a period of time where our sales numbers you know, they went up in May compared to April, which is typical. As the spring comes, more people jump into the market. Right. But there's also more listings. Um, but really what I'm seeing is a trend where uh, a, a significant number of buyers who may have been in the market in other years have now stepped back. And some of them are waiting to see what happens. Others may have trouble getting financing. Or for whatever reason, people have said, hey, I don't mind buying now, but I'm going to make sure I get the right deal. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get the right property at the right price. And so we still have people looking, but they're more selective. They're slower to act. And some people have backed out entirely. And whenever that happens and the ratios change and suddenly the demand is somewhat lesser and the supply is somewhat greater, it makes sense that prices are going to adjust. So we're seeing fewer sales. I think May was the, uh, it was an upswing from April, but it was right. still the slowest number of sales in May for about 20 years. That's almost. right. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. So we're in an adjustment period and how long that goes is anyone's guess. And it really depends on what the uh, attitudes of the buyers are going to be going forward. I wanted to talk about those press releases that seem to have been uh, gathering a, a life all of their own. Talk about momentum. And this is something that the media is in part responsible for because well, the central one credit union made a bold prediction a few days ago, John, saying that the current real estate market, which is fairly flat and hesitant to some degree, is going to stay like this in decline, their words, not mine, for two more years. And everybody went, whoa, boy, this is not good news. And they've been all over the story. And so it's kind of developed this negative momentum. There's this big dark cloud hanging over Metro Vancouver real estate based on this prediction. That's all it is. It's an estimate, John. And yet some people seem to be accepting it as gospel. It's a big black cloud. So is there a silver lining here? Well, I think there's always a silver lining when it comes to real estate in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. I mean, this is an area that is a desirable location with an influx of new people all the time. And like I say, it's not gone out of style, real estate here, but people are wondering, is this the right time? And some of these, you know, these reports are going into people's decisions, and I think quite rightly so. I heard on the news the other night that there was a prediction the market may be flat or decline for two years. Right. 
Uh, now, to me, I mean, I've been doing real estate now for, what, 23 years, and I've heard all kinds of predictions, and some say it goes up, and some say it goes down, and some people talk about Toronto and Vancouver. It's, easily, it's easy to get confused about with statistics. But my personal feeling is here that, yeah, we're in an adjustment period, and I don't know about two years. A lot could happen between now and no then kidding. politically. Oh, sure. Uh, so I have mean, got an election this fall that could change a whole lot of dynamics, including the stress test. Who sure, knows? Sure. But what I'm seeing is this. And this is, you know, I'm not, I don't have agency relationships with some of these listeners out here. So I'm not stepping into the role of your agent mm-hmm. to give advice personally. But what I'm seeing is a market that is adjusting. And if you're thinking of selling, you know, the market might be for you or it might not be for you. If you bought last year and you want to make a whole pile of money selling this year, the market's probably not for you right. because you're probably not going to get that kind of result. But if you're someone in a townhouse who wants to maybe sell and move up to a house, for instance, might be a great time for you. Even though you may have lost a little bit of equity in that townhouse, the house is more affordable. Right, so sure. I think there's a more relaxed market. Uh, you know, you can sell, but if you're going to be in the market, depending on the segment you're in, price-wise, location, what you offer, you could be in a bit of a dogfight. You could be in a situation where there's six or seven other similar listings and they've been reducing price for the last few weeks. So. If you're going to go into the market, I would suggest now more than ever, you want to really make sure you understand the landscape that you're entering and come up with a solid plan on going forward and being successful. It might mean starting a price a little high and monitoring feedback and reducing it as necessary. Right. It might mean pricing really well and trying to hold sharp and seeing what offers can be done. Uh, there's all kinds of strategies that you might employ, but know that the time to kind of throw your house on the market and ask an extra 50000 extra and see what's going to happen is probably not a successful uh, strategy going in because buyers, again, reading the newspaper, listening to the news, going out and talking to mortgage brokers are understanding the time right now seems to be on their side. They should not be in a rush. Right. So I think buyers are very selective. It's almost like skimming the cream off the top. Every home is different and you don't have to sell to everybody. But in each particular segment, if you look at what's really selling and what's active in these, these segments, you'll see that properties that are priced very reasonably are the ones that are getting the offer. So exactly. there's all kinds of exceptions to these rules. And I can talk to people individually if they want to have me out. But yes, this market is more challenging from a seller's point of view. And it really makes sense to have someone, I think, in your corner who understands the market and, you know, can really help you make a good decision going forward. Well, you mentioned that I agree with you because you, you mentioned that you've got 23 years. This is year 24 uh, in the real estate business for John Carlson. And uh, you've seen, and especially in Metro Vancouver, 24 years in the real estate game in Metro Vancouver, you've seen it all. The highs, the lows, uh, and, and the craziness. And now a moment where everyone involved gets to breathe a little more deeply. Right. But having seen the highs and lows and the, the hills and valleys in terms of the way the business and the marketplace trends and who knows uh, these predictions calling for things to, to remain or the same or slightly decline over two years that's 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 it's fine that they can make these predictions but it's not gospel it's simply an estimate and so as you take a look at this changing more changes to metro vancouver real estate even more that you've seen already you know what sort of marketplace you're dealing with and what likely people are playing the game in the market. So that helps a whole lot. And I wanted to ask you especially about buyers, John, because you were talking about sellers and getting the right price and pricing it right to begin with, right out of the gate. If it's priced right, it stands a much better chance of selling quickly or more quickly. But what about buyers, some of whom now are going, well, you know, prices are coming to me. I mean, I saw this report here, this next 
next two years, the prices are just, so why, why do I need to go out and buy a house today when I can maybe just sit on my hands for the summer and watch the prices come to me more and more? And, and they're timing the market, John. And you've said on this broadcast many times, that is, it's dodgy on a good day. Well, it can be dodgy, but to answer your question, why do you have to go out and buy today? You don't. And a lot of people are finding that out and, and kind of taking that approach. Um, you know, I think that, of course, the financial equation is a big part of it. You don't want to overpay for any property because mm-hmm. one day you'll have to sell it. And, you know, but also the personal aspect, you know, people are getting married, their, their kids are leaving home, they're downsizing, there's new jobs, there's transfers, there's all kinds of reasons that people may want to move. So these people are out in the market. All I would suggest is if you're a buyer, you probably have time on your side. It's not like the old days, if you can remember a couple of years ago, having discussions where, you know, a client had to make that decision in 15 minutes, oh, as sure. you said. Home inspection? What home inspection? Yeah. There's no time for that. Just right. Give me the money or the next guy gets the house. That was the way it was. And it's not that long ago, John. Not that long ago. So buyers now need to know. And, and when I'm out with my clients, maybe we've sold their home, we're looking at, at properties. I mean, we have these discussions and, and hey, if you find something that's absolutely great, a neighborhood you've wanted to move into, the price is reasonable, let's go make a run at that house. There's nothing wrong with that. If it suits your timetable, it's the right property. Sure. But you don't have to settle anymore. Oh, we wanted four bedrooms, but I guess we'll have three. Well, guess what? Maybe wait another week or two. Maybe the four bedroom home in the neighborhood will come up. So if I'm a buyer out there looking for a property, I'm going to get what I want at a price I'm very happy with, or Mm -hmm. I'm not going to jump. And I think a lot of people feel that way as well. So again, the market's not dead. Things are selling, but you need to be one of the best listings in your certain category. And you certainly need to promote your strengths to the market and have an agent, I think, who can help you negotiate, remove those obstacles, and get the best possible price in this market and make the timing work for you as well. Well, and again, it's, it's those years of experience, those t- 24 years of experience, John, that uh, are going to make the difference for, for clients. And I would think also, let's talk a little bit about the 1% realty business model, because sure. there is a bonus built into all of this. In addition to dealing with a seasoned professional like John Carlson, who knows the market from Point Grey to Abbotsford, like the back of his hand, and has been doing business in this town for that long, uh, all of a sudden now you're in a position to, in addition, have this experience working in your corner and the potential to save a stack of cash in the process. That's the bonus part, John. And I don't know how many people listening are aware of the 1% business model. So let's have a bash at it here for a couple of seconds and talk about the commission structure as it relates to the savings. And again, in a declining or static marketplace, you look for every edge you can get. I think so, yes. And uh, I would suggest maybe people go to my website, uh, johnny1percent.com or johnny1percent.ca. And we've got a a schedule there. But, you know, there are no fixed uh, commission rates in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. It's very typical, though. You see most commonly uh, people might might pay 7% of the first 100,000 and 2.5% of the balance on a sale. Um, if you go to my website, you'll see that anything above 700000 is a 1% of sale price plus a fee of nine fifty for administrative costs. So we save people, you know, uh, typically, you know, a client in the, in the five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000 range might save ten or 12000 on average. Uh, people, I've had people call into this radio show who I've saved thirty or $40,000 in right. commission. Um, and so that's always nice, obviously. Uh, if I was looking to sell my home and I was not in this business, I would want to try to get a good deal. But I'd also 
I wouldn't want to pay a low commission to get a poor agent because right. I think that would be a bad idea. Well, you know, according to the May real estate board numbers, the benchmark price for all uh, residences in Metro Vancouver is $1.006 million, basically a million dollars. Now, obviously, condos sell for less, homes in West Van sell for ridiculously more times. Right. But that's the average price of Metro Vancouver. So let's take a look at that million dollar home, yes. which uh, the, the commission starts. This, by the way, is a Johnny 1%. .ca, friends. There's a grid right there halfway down the homepage of John Carlson's website, and it gives you typical numbers for properties and three columns. The 1% Realty Commission, what most other brokers would charge you, and the all-important savings column. So let's go to that million-dollar property, John. Yes. 1% Realty Commission, the total on the property of a million dollars sell would be 10950 bucks. That's your commission. Right. Uh, most other brokers on the same property would charge you charge ten thousand nine fifty. Most other brokers would charge twenty nine thousand five hundred. The savings to the seller on a million dollar home, and this is cash money that you get to hang on to, eighteen thousand five hundred bucks. That's right, and I mean commissions vary and sales results vary. But yes, I've had many many clients over the years since I've been at one percent realty who have saved that kind of money, and compared to seven percent and two and a half percent that we discussed. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's the real deal. And you can look at that a lot of ways. It's money in your pocket, but also I'm letting my sellers know when I meet with them, you know, I'm, I almost apologize. I say, look, I don't, I'm not responsible for what's going on in the market. I can interpret it for you and I can give you good advice. Right. And one thing I can do is people will often say, hey, well, we remember our neighbor sold for this number. And well, the neighbor might have sold in the past and things are different. And sometimes people are a little bit disappointed when I give them what I think is the range. I don't dictate. I just say, here's what I think the range is. And you can understand the disappointment. Sometimes, Because the game plan called for, you know, selling at the peak, peak, peak. And it isn't peak anymore. And it's hard to forget that peak number. Of course. But on the other hand, if the commission structure is there maybe to save you fifteen dollars or $20,000, I'll say to people, hey, you know, I can't change the market, but what I can do is I can help you price attractively compared to your competition, and you still may net more money from the sale or the same amount by doing that. So, again, it's partly saving the money. It's partly just being competitive because in this market, people have bought in high markets and if things have sold, they need their equity and it's still not cheap. So if you're going to sell your home and upsize to a house, you still need a lot of money for closing and that sort of thing. So, you know, that's part of my my persona, the Johnny 1%. I'm the top 1% of the industry. I work mm-hmm. for 1% Realty Commissions and I've, uh, you know, I've done a good job with lots and lots of sellers. So I really want to give good advice to people, but I don't mind saving them money as well. Right. Okay. And and I think that, uh, again, it's the it's the years of experience and understanding the market conditions. You know, you can, you can actually in conversation say, well, 15 years ago, we did this. And, uh, you know, three years ago, we did that. And, uh, but now conditions have changed again. And here's what we need to do to uh, practically uh, approach the marketplace for a successful sale. John Carlson and the website johnny1percent.ca. In fact, we highly recommend you pop over to johnny1percent.ca while we take a news break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the 1% business model because a lot of people go, yeah, well, if you're paying less, you're going to get less. And that's a myth that we're going to spend a little time debunking. It's Sterling Fox and it's Vancouver Consumer and you are on CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon on CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by John Carlson from 1% Realty and Johnny1percent.ca. Mr. Carlson, during the news break, you and I were talking about pricing. And of course, in, in, in today's 
interesting, changing Vancouver real estate market. Pricing has always been important, but you really only get one chance. I remember this from my mom. She drilled it into what she used to call my thick skull. (laughs) You only ever get one chance to make a first impression. So listing that first pop on the marketplace of the new listing and that price had better be pretty close to what uh, what the marketplace is going to go. Okay, I'll take a look at that one. How how tough is it determining that price, that right price, to lead into the market with the listing? Well, first of all, any appraisal or any market evaluation is no more than an opinion, really, when it comes down to it. And I tell people, you know, I don't decide what the market price is or what someone might pay for your home, but a good agent should know the market well enough and what's going on out there to give you a good idea where you should position. Mm-hmm. Because positioning too low in a slow market is probably not a good idea. Uh, positioning too high is probably, you know, not a good idea. But if you look at a range of where you're competitive, and I call that the success zone, it's usually best to be in that success zone from day one. And one of the reasons for that is when a listing is new, this gets the most attention. Sure. People are set up for auto notifications. They get emails. They get this. They get that. The Facebook campaigns and stuff that we do. When listings are brand new, they get a lot of attention. And so, and there's that first impression. That's the first impression. Right. So let's just say for theory's sake that uh, property should be a million dollars, but they listed it. 1.2. Well, that period of time when people are out there looking, they're going to notice that 1.2 listing, but they might be, probably are, looking at other $1.2 million listings, one, two and a half, one, three even, sure. and you just don't compare. A month later, when you say, let's reduce the price, well, you're kind of where your, your listing's a month old. Now, if there's a lot of price reductions, it's not a, it's not, you know, a sin to reduce your price. It's, sure. it's not a, a kiss of death because people are reducing as, as need be. But what I would suggest is you're right about that first impression. If you can be listed in the success zone from day one, doesn't mean you'll sell in one day. Right. You're going to get the attention from the right buyers who are looking in that right price range. You're going to appeal to the right because you've got to get the right buyer in the right property together to make a transaction. And by positioning too high, you're attracting the wrong buyer. And those right buyers who could afford the appropriate price maybe don't look at it or they don't see the value when they do because they think it's too high. Keep in mind, buyers have been reading the newspaper. They've been watching the news. They know the shoes on the other foot. And now it's time for them to get a good deal. They're afraid to overpay. I would be too. So buyers are very cautious. They're selective. You have to put a good, reasonable value proposition in front of them and promote your strengths. And that's really the key right now. John, how frequently does one need to check on that price? For example, it's uh, it's uh, June, and if uh, we had a market evaluation back in February because we decided we were going to sell the house this year, come right. hell or high water, we're going to turn it over this year, but we haven't had a, a realtor come by and put a, a price tag on it for three or four months, how accurate is that now February price in mid-June? Well, I don't know what that price was, and a broken clock is right twice a day, so it might still be accurate, but I wouldn't bank on it. Right. I would uh, definitely um, look into that again, because since February, now we're in June, well, there have been some probably recent sales in the neighborhood you could look at. There are probably a lot more new listings you could look at, and statistically speaking, for most of the pro- type properties we're looking at, the sales might be a little lower than they were earlier. The new listings might be coming on the market a little bit more reasonably. That house that you looked at a month ago on the market might have a different list price on it now, and it might still be available. So really, again, you're in a competition, and we want to see who we're competing against because a buyer, reasonably speaking, why not? If they can find 
you know, everybody has a different idea what they might want, but if they like your house, but there's one kind of like it that's $30,000 less, chances are that other one's going to get the offer, not you. So it comes down to who you're comparing against, and it also comes down to maybe what people have been spending in your area or neighborhood or complex or that kind of thing. And those those will give you an idea in terms of what the success zone is. And and then, you know, I have people that price at the high end because they don't know where they're going. I right. have other people that have some urgency and price at the low end. But again, um, positioning yourself for success is a big part of the equation. The second part of the equation is, uh, that's also very important, is being able to stick handle that offer when it does come. Because I'll tell you, in a market like this, even if you do position in the success range and you're right there, the right where you should be, right. somebody might offer you fifty dollars or $100,000 less. It may still happen. Now, gauging whether or not that buyer has the interest to come up to a reasonable price. You can't blame a buyer right now for being optimistic, but really the challenge is to, to you know, I, I think that you can't convince someone that a house is worth more than, make them pay more than they think it's worth, but you can show them why they might want to come up. So a good agent can also demonstrate value and hopefully stick handle these offers to a successful place. Right. And buyers, uh, you know, all of this information is on the on the internet. I mean, you've got uh, uh, your website, the, the, realty, or the realtor has the MLS uh, website. Uh, the business is, is very accessible to people who want to educate themselves. So right. it's not too difficult for a buyer going into a particular metro Vancouver neighborhood to do a little homework and find out what houses and townhouses in a six block radius around this property are selling for and to break out the calculator and come up with an average in less than a couple of minutes that'll put you right in the ballpark. So, uh, and, and so they arrive shopping pretty well educated themselves, don't they? Yes. And, uh, you know, they have access to some information, but when I sit down with people, I will often do that. I always bring my laptop and the internet, you know, connectivity and we go through, Hey, here's what's been selling. Here's what you're up against. Here's a couple listings I've had that sold. And this is the kind of scenario that, that happened and they were similar to yours. So right. yeah, the more research you can do, the more comfortable and confident you can be in your position. I think the more uh, chance you have of being successful. And I want to talk very briefly about this notion of reducing price because you talked about it a few minutes ago and said it's not it's not a, a, any kind of indication of failure or anything like it. It's it's today's market. It, it's it's the nature of of the beast in the summer of 2019. People are probably going to have to reconsider some of their original prices, and so they are. Yeah. That's all that's going on. Some do and some don't. Some properties are priced quite well and they sell relatively quickly, right. presumably because these sellers have recognized the market and made a decision to be attractive so they can get sold. Um, but, you know, there's all kinds of different, uh, you know, scenarios where price might be adjusted. And really, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not something to be ashamed of, that's for sure. So some people don't have to, others do. The one thing I would caution a seller against when I'm sitting down talking with them is, let's say your property, you've got a condo worth 600000 and everything's selling between five ninety and six hundred. Well, you list it for six thirty, then you drop it to six twenty a month later, then you drop it to six ten, and three months later it's down to six hundred, but the market's now five seventy. So right, right. This is a general type thing, but you really want to be careful not to chase the market down, and that is why pricing, you know, right off the bat. I have a you know friends in the business. We talk, and the other day I was joking with them, and I said, you know, you know, almost what I should do when I meet people is let people know that. I want to sell your house in 30 days and I want a price for, to sell in 30 days. And right. people might get shocked by that. And, and I, I would intentionally, you know, try to be a little bit shocking in that way. But really the message I'm sending to them is the homes that are selling are the ones that are priced well. If you're selling 90 days or 120 days on the market, you've probably lost the ability to sell where you could have sold back then because the market's been on the decline. So 
again, I'm, I'm kind of joking here a little bit, but mm. um, you know, people, if you're going to jump in the market, be ready. Price it appropriately. We did a, a show a couple of weeks ago here on Vancouver Consumer with a couple of contractors, and, uh, and the reason was because renovations are so popular these days. A lot of people have opted not to sell, John, and right. well, we'll spruce up the old beast and keep and live here for another few years. We don't need to go with the market and, and all of that kind of stuff. And in the process of renovating and sprucing up the house or the condo or whatever, they invest some hard-earned after-tax dollars. Typically, when you do those kinds of investments in your property, you expect the money back when you sell the property. That's one of the main reasons you do those renovations in the first place. So if you've got some renovations done, you've improved the property, and you've spent X number of dollars and have every expectation in the world of getting all of those dollars back, then that might affect your ability to price yourself properly in an ultra-competitive marketplace. Well, it may, but, uh, you know, some of the renovations that were done over the years, I mean, they've been enjoyed, um, presumably, and uh, you may still get all your money back depending on what you paid. I mean, a person can still, if they're very selective buy a house in this market. If you have connections to renovate and maybe you're a small company or family, you can renovate and and make a few bucks and sell a house still. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's just not as easy right now. The longer you're on the market, prices have been dropping a bit. So um, I can completely see why someone would want to renovate. That's what I did. I'm staying where I'm at. I'm not going to move. I love the place. I'm not going to talk people out of their homes by any way. But those who want to sell, want to buy a property and they want a good agent to represent them and they want to maximize the price they get and get sold by a pro in this market. I mean, that's who I'm here for. I'm here to talk to you. I'm here to visit with you. You can email, you can call me. Um, But again, those people who, who want to sell or have a need to sell, you need a good agent on your side in this day more than ever. No question about that part. And 604-612-0080 is Mr. Carlson's phone number. Give him just a few more minutes while he's on the radio. We'll spring him for good behavior here, and then you give him a buzz. 604-612-0080. All this information, contact points, email addresses, and all that stuff, available at johnny1percent.ca. Uh, want to talk very quickly, because I know you've got some new listings you want to tell us about. Back to the one percent business model, John, yes, and yes. the the typical consumer reaction. If I'm paying less, I'm getting less. Right. So what does by by joining up with one percent, what does a customer forfeit in terms of service because they're paying less commission? Well, different agents may differ. I don't know, you know, my company, other companies, but I can tell you when you're working with me and the people that I know at my company, there's really no difference. Uh, you have a, an established agent with a good track record. You have MLS activity. Uh, uh, you're on MLS. Sure. Uh, photos, 3D tours. If you go to my website, Johnny 1%, the listings I'm about to show you, we're mapping things out with 3D mapping now. So people can go on live and walk through the house themselves mm-hmm. because, you know, the showings are a little bit less and we want to make it easy. I want to make it easy for someone to see your house and get interested in your house. So um, open houses. In fact, I'm going to announce a couple open houses for Sunday. There's really nothing that you lack. We simply charge less commission and offer out less commission and try to give sellers a better deal than they've been getting typically. And that's why I'm on the Vancouver Consumer Show to let consumers know there is a better deal out there compared to most agents. Go to my website and you can see all about it or call me. I'll come and tell you about it. All right. And uh, again, that number is 604-612-0080. You didn't have a chance to write it down. I'll repeat it a little later on. But you've talked about some new listings, John. Sure. And some open houses. And that would be for tomorrow, right? Sunday. Yes. Yeah, open yeah. houses Sunday. I'll start with those. I have a brand new listing. It'll just hit my website probably today. Uh, we've got it 3D mapped out. You can do a walkthrough tour. This is Maple Ridge. 
Ridge. It's a house, 20823 River Road. And right across the street is Maple Ridge Elementary School. Oh. Uh, parks close by. You can walk to the West Coast Express. Shopping's close by. Nice and quiet spot. It's got a lot that's almost 9,000 square feet. It's over 2,000 square foot. It's easy to put a basement suite. It's got a new roof, uh, all new flooring, new paint. It's a really good home. List price is 818, $818,000. Oh, bye. The yard, the garage, the you know the Canadian dream right there by an elementary school. So I'll be there Sunday, eleven thirty a.m. to one thirty p.m. The next open oh, house. What is that address in Maple Ridge again, John? It's please two zero eight two three River Road. River Road. Okay. Next open house I'm doing is in uh, Langley, number ten two zero four four nine sixty six Ave. Go to my website. You'll see it there. Open from 2 to 4 Sunday. This is a gorgeous three-level townhome with a double garage and a double driveway parking for four. It's not inside the complex. It's at the front, shaded by trees. So you've got some street parking. You come into the, your front yard. It's got a gate. Very much like a house. Gorgeous shape. you got to check it out. Uh, the list price on that one is six thirty-nine nine, and I'll hold that open Sunday. I've got another new listing in Maple Ridge, okay. number 23, 11502 Burnett Street. This is a townhome that is one level plus a basement. You drive into your garage, all level access, uh, big 1,500-square-foot main plus a basement, gorgeous condition. Check it out on my site, 519.9. And I also have an executive home in By Maple Ridge. By the way, Ridge. these numbers that you're tossing out, uh, pricing for houses and condos, and these are in the burbs to be sure. But, John, the numbers are startling compared to what you would pay for the same property downtown. It's 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 kind of refreshing, if you don't mind my saying. So. Well, absolutely. Take a look and go to the site and walk through. These are nice listings. They're good homes. Uh, the Executive Home, Golf Lane Estates. Now, this is something special. It's a peekaboo view of Maple Ridge Golf Course. Uh, 5,700 square foot deluxe finishing everywhere with a suite that's perfect for mom and dad downstairs, if that's your thing. Um, the address is 209101 Avenue. It's $1.399 million and a gorgeous executive home. So these are just some of the new ones I've got. I'm hoping to see some of the people at the Opens and come on out and say hi. Well, absolutely. If you have a chance to, to stop by one of these uh, open houses and to have a chance to say hello to John Carlson, you should take advantage of that. He's one of Vancouver's top real estate agents. Again, uh, a member of the President's Club for the top 1% of all real estate agents in Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. John, we're fresh out of time. I'll give that phone number one more time, 604-612-0080. He can take your calls now. John, thanks for this. Good to see you this afternoon. We'll catch up to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks. It's been a real pleasure. We're back after this. Once again, our thanks to John Carlson from 1% Realty for another very helpful visit. Joining us next Saturday will be the world-class dentists from BC Perio, and we'll meet the people behind Pacific Business Brokers who have a very interesting story to tell. Time now for Duly Noted. And this time around, our producer Ben Dooley looks at pocket ashtrays. Thanks, Sterling. The city of Vancouver is once again turning to pocket ashtrays in an attempt to curb cigarette butt litter. According to the city, nearly one million cigarette butts are discarded in Vancouver every day. It's why the Downtown Business Improvement Association welcomes the city's latest pilot project aimed at reducing litter. Here's the association's CEO, Charles Gautier. We're really shocked to see how many cigarette butts uh, were on the streets. Here's the city's engineering service manager, Jerry Debravalny. They're intended to reduce cigarette butt litter by putting the solution directly in the hands of smokers and making properly disposing cigarette butts as convenient as possible. 6,000 pocket ashtrays have been ordered at a total cost of $4,500. 
tender dry conditions across the lower mainland this year have created a perfect recipe for human-caused grass fires, including the one that sparked in Stanley Park on May 2nd. Virtually all outdoor fires that take place in the city are caused by improperly disposed of cigarette butts. In Vancouver, smokers can be fined $500 for discarding cigarette butts irresponsibly. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. Transport Canada's new policy, effective immediately, says no person should work while under the influence of any drug, according to its website. And it boils down to this. Canadian airlines and flight crews are forbidden to consume cannabis for at least 28 days before going on duty, the industry regulator said on Thursdays. Now, airlines such as Air Canada and WestJet have already banned employees in safety-sensitive positions from using cannabis, including while off-duty. Transport Canada said the move aligns with scientific consensus on drug usage while on the job and with the Department of National Defense and the RCMP policy on cannabis. And here's what our men and women in uniform deal with. No member of the armed forces can consume cannabis eight hours before any duty, 24 hours before any operation of weapons or vehicles, and 28 days just like the pilots before high altitude parachuting a uh, parachuting rather operating in a hyperbaric environment and serving on aircraft i think generally there's a huge sigh of relief across the spectrum of all who fly especially with summer travel all but here and in a rare exhibition of Scrooge-like behavior in, behavior rather in the summertime, New York City began seizing ice cream trucks on Wednesday in Operation Meltdown after operators violated traffic laws and evaded fines for nearly a decade, says the mayor, Bill de Blasio. To get away with not paying fines, the mayor said the operators created dozens of shell companies and re-registered trucks to the Department of Motor Vehicles under the names of different companies. So by the time the finance department would try to collect on a debt, there would be no trace of the offending company. As the operators were handing out frozen treats over the last eight years, they were also racking up 22,000 summonses and nearly $4.5 million in fines for traffic violations. The operators had been cited for running red lights, parking near fire hydrants, and blocking crosswalks, and that's just for openers. Here's the mayor again, quote, no New Yorker is above the law, especially those who try to ignore public safety laws and create dangerous situations for pedestrians bikers and drivers. Okay, now try to explain this all to your four-year-old why the musical truck with all the frozen goodies isn't coming through your neighborhood anymore. And the mayor wants to run for president. Hmm. Those are some of the week's top stories, and that is our show for this week. Next Saturday, we'll have a visit from our friends, the dentists at BC Perio, and we'll meet the people behind Pacific Business Brokers. Vancouver Consumer is produced by Ben Dooley, along with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. Your feedback is all Always appreciated. You can email us anytime, sterling at cknw.com, or tweet us at VanConsumer. I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer, right here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. 
Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.